0: Good morning, Morning. and happy Easter. Easter. It is so good to see all of you this morning. Thanks for putting up with the crampingness here at Shepherd's Gate at our 1045 service. Everyone, you just want to like elbow the person next to you, just give a little love out this morning. We're so glad that you're here. My name's Tim. I get the privilege of being a lead pastor, and if this is your first time here at Shepherd's Gate, let me just tell you, this is a laid-back church, Okay. And what I mean by that is you're allowed to respond to me as I'm preaching. If you want to boo me, you can boo me. If you want to amen me, you can amen me. Whatever it is that that you would feel compelled to do, Uh, we're just so glad that you're here. You're giving up an hour of your Easter Sunday, the greatest day that we celebrate in all of human history. As we come together and we reflect and we sing and we pray and we read God's word, and we rejoice in what we believe to be true that God did send his son to this earth, that he did in fact live a sinless life, and that God put him on the cross that the sins of the world would be placed upon his shoulders, and that he would breathe his last breath and pay the sacrifice for our mistakes and our sins, that three days later he would take that first step out of that empty tomb and declare victory over sin, death, disease, and the devil, and anything this world can throw at us, so that you and I can experience life and experience it to the full. And that's what we celebrate today. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, one of the other things we love doing here at Shepherd's Gate is all of Holy Week coming up with a theme that really just helps us hone in and focus in on what it is that this week is all about. And so really our theme for this week has been this. We've been encouraging people to rest, to actually slow down long enough to push the emails and the social media and the meetings and the TV and all the distractions aside and say, okay, God, will you help us refocus? And as we refocus, God, will you also help us to remember what this week is all about? That here we are, think of this, 2,000 years later, still talking about a guy that lived in a far distant land all those years ago. And yet, God, we know that you have more in store for us. Because as we remember, as we realize what it is that you've done for us, the magnitude of what you have done through your Son, Jesus Christ, of course, then, we are compelled to rejoice. And there's no better Sunday to rejoice than on Easter Sunday. The risen Savior and Lord. Now, as you heard at the beginning, as you heard some of our Uh, those that call Shepherd's Gate home, they begin to tell us a little bit of Luke 24. Now, there's four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they each give us a little bit different details of what took place on that first Easter Sunday. And so for this year, we're going to be looking at Luke 24, which is actually the last chapter in his gospel account. And so as you've heard from the beginning, the women have already gone to the tomb. There was two men dressed in white that have told the ladies, Hey, listen, he's not here. You shouldn't be looking for the dead among the living. He has risen from the dead. He is not here. And so, of course, they're kind of just shell-shocked by this, and they're scratching their heads, and they're still kind of grappling whether they can believe this or not. So they run back, and they find Jesus' closest followers, the 11 that are still remaining. And wouldn't you know, the 11 didn't even believe the women? They didn't want to believe what they had said. And so what Luke does is he gives us a little bit more insight. He tells us a little bit more what was going on on that first Easter Sunday, and that's where we're going to pick up today, starting in verse 13. So check this out. He said this, now on that same day, there's two of them. And these are two disciples. These aren't part of the original 12-pack. These are two different people. And they're going to this village called Emmaus. And it actually happens to be seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is where Jesus was crucified And laid to rest. So you can see that they're kind of out in the country here now. They're seven miles away. And here these two guys are. They're talking with each other about everything that had happened. And wouldn't you know that as they are talking and discussing these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he's walking alongside them, but they didn't realize that it was Jesus. See, they were still mourning. They were still trying to put the the circumstances and the events that had taken place the last three days in their minds together. They're trying to make sense of a situation that they really couldn't make sense of. Here they knew that Jesus had died. They knew that his body had been taken down from the cross. They knew that his body had been placed in a tomb. And all of the things that they had done, all of the ways in which they had reorchestrated their lives and had put their faith in believing that Jesus was the promised Messiah, has now been destroyed. It's all come crumbling down around them. And they've lost faith. They've lost hope. They're not even sure what this means for their future. And so Jesus asked them, well, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Look what happens. When he asks them this question, they stop walking. And instead, they're frozen. And they stand still. And even the posture of their face as they're looking at the ground. See, this is really, truly what they were experiencing in this moment. They were experiencing a crisis. Everything that they knew. Everything that they had put their faith in. How that impacted their family and their places of work and their community. And now being with those people and walking among those people and people going, oh, I thought you were one of those Jesus followers. I guess it didn't work out. I guess he wasn't actually God. I guess he wasn't actually who he claimed to be. And you can just feel the heaviness of this moment for these men wondering, stressing, worried, so much so that they couldn't even take another step. One of them named Cloapis asked Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And I love this because this is what gives you a little bit of insight that what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem wasn't some little thing that just happened on the side. It wasn't just this little segment of all the people that had come into Jerusalem for the Passover festival. No, all of Jerusalem knew what had taken place. Everyone knew because Jesus kick-started the events on Palm Sunday. And he kickstarted the events by raising a guy from the dead uh, shortly before that named Lazarus. And so that was the crowd that actually came to see Jesus. That was the crowd that had their palm branches that were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he gets on this donkey and he has his own parade. Jesus orchestrates his own parade and he heads straight into the heart of Jerusalem. One mile parade. Think of that. All the people, all the people that were gathered around and could see what was taking place. See, it was Jesus that orchestrated the events of Monday, Thursday. He's the one that prepared the meal. He even prepared and rented the room that they used, and he instituted Holy Communion. Jesus knew to go to the garden. He knew that that would be a very easy place for Judas, who had betrayed him, and the Jewish soldiers to come and to take him captive. He knew everything that was going to happen, and he wasn't afraid to walk to his final place, Golgotha, the place of the skull when he walked and he placed himself on that cross and he stretched out his arms for you and for me and for all mankind and placed the sins of the world upon his shoulders that he would die. But he also knew that wouldn't be the end. He knew that three days later, Oh man, that stone would be rolled away and he would be coming out of that tomb. And now I think Jesus is just having fun. Now he knows he's the resurrected Jesus and now he's going to have some fun with his closest followers, which is what really you see here. Because Jesus asked them, even though he knows, what things? What are you talking about? Enlighten me. So they answer, well, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem all of Israel. And what is more, it's now the third day since all of this took place. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think of of just Jesus having to hear those words and knowing what he had instilled in these guys. Knowing that over and over again, he told them that he was going to be handed over, told them that he was going to be crucified, but don't worry, don't lose heart. Three days later, I will rise from the dead. Not only so, he didn't tell them once, he didn't tell them two times, he didn't tell them he told them three times. And yet so many people didn't remember his words. See, so often that's what happens in our lives. So often we enter into a crisis and when you're in a crisis, it is hard to see clearly. Did you know that? Your emotions have this way of overtaking you and you are brought to a standstill. Many of us were brought to our knees and all of us, just so you know, have been experiencing this in some way and shape and form. See, for these guys, it was three days. For us, it's been the last three years of our lives. I want you to think about that. Everybody in here has been impacted by the events of our world. Everyone in here has grieved in a different way. Everyone has experienced loss and hardship. But here's what I also know. Some of you, you may have experienced a crisis these last three years that nobody knows about. Maybe there is something that you're holding on to. Maybe there's something that you have buried deep into your heart. And you have lost all faith. You have lost all hope. Not only in God, you've lost hope in humanity. You've lost hope in everything that is before you. And you're not even sure how to even make sense of this world. You're not even sure why you're here, if you even believe any of the things That we're talking about or that we're singing about today. But I can tell you this, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that grieves with you. There's a God that knows the intimate parts of your heart and your life. And do you know that he's drawing you close to him? Do you know that God today speaks to you through his word? And as we continue to read his word this morning, it's the word that has the power to change and to transform your life. See, the, the Bible is not like any other written document on this planet. The, doc, the, the, the Bible has this incredible ability to pierce our hearts because the Bible reveals to us who God is, his nature And what it is that he has done for us already and what he can continue to do in our lives each and every day. But see, so often we get stuck in our crisis. And not only do we get stuck in our crisis, what it leads to is this. Confinement. And again, this is different for everyone, isn't it? Many of us, we've just kind of pulled back. We've become isolated. We've become alone. We're still trying to make sense of things. We're still trying to figure out things. And, and as we've dabbled in this whole idea of confinement, which really means we're in prison, I would even say this to you. It ha- it's actually moved from being a physical thing where maybe we're staying home or we're doing this or we're being cautious to more of a mental and emotional thing where we've actually become prisoners of our own minds and our own emotions. And we still haven't sorted things out. We still haven't figured out what that means for our future. Look at what happens next. It says, in addition, Jesus, but they don't know it's him, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels Now I like this because the women actually said we saw angels and the guys you can tell at this point they still don't believe it who said he was alive. Some of our companions actually went to the tomb and that's Peter and John. They ran to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said but they had not yet seen Jesus. Jesus says to them how foolish you are and how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Hey, remember what I taught you? Remember what we went over in our time together? Look back to the scriptures you have, look back to the Old Testament, see the pattern in God's word. And look at what Jesus does next. Beginning with Moses and then going through all of the prophets in the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said. In all the scriptures concerning himself. How many of you would like to go on a walk and have Jesus explain to you the Old Testament? (laughs) How long you think this took them? How loving and patient is our God? How incredible loving and patient is he? Remember, these aren't part of the original 12. These are two different disciples. And yet we see this pattern that that Jesus has for us in Scripture, that he's loving and he's patient and he's always willing to invest in us. Even when we can't see him. Even when we think he's not there, he's always speaking to us and drawing us to himself. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. But unfortunately, what's happened in our society, what's happened in our lives on so many different levels is not only are we in crisis and is there this, there's this confinement of our emotions and our minds, it's actually, unfortunately, made us uncommitted. Now I want you to think about this. Think about it in the places of work. Is anyone really loyal to their companies anymore? Like it was in the good old days? Anybody work in HR? Talk to anybody that works in HR, they'll tell you how difficult difficult it is to keep employees, that people are just constantly moving companies. How about this? What about relationships? How committed are we in the relationships and maybe even the covenants that we have made with other people? How much have our crisis affected our families and our friendship circles? And is it now that it's 2022, we just snap our fingers and everything's back to normal? Or are we still dealing with all of this? Remember, these guys had three days of this. We've had three years of trying to sort this stuff out in our lives. I can tell you this, God has not stopped working. God will not stop working. God will not stop drawing you to himself. In fact, Psalm 86 puts it this way. You, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. God's actually slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He's faithful even when we're not. He works in our hearts and our lives even when we push him away or we try to ignore him, or we think that we don't need him. He loves us that much, and he loves us because he created each and every one of us. Look what happens next. It says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Emmaus, we know that's where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. So what does that look like? Right? Are you just playing games with us, God? I mean, what's going on, Jesus? So, see you guys later. It was nice talking to you. Glad I got to give you a whole Old Testament overview. I got to give you seminary, you know, four years of seminary in 40 minutes, but I'm out of here. And he knew what he was doing. He knew that they were going to compel him to come in because that's exactly what they did. They actually urged him strongly. No, 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 no. We're enjoying our time with you. Could you stay with us? Hey, the sun is setting. The day's almost over. We really think that you should stay here with us. So he takes them in on their invitation. And it says when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread. I want you to think about this because now instead of shoulder to shoulder walking down a road together, they're now eyeball to eyeball and he gives thanks. Imagine hearing that prayer. And he breaks the bread and he begins to give it to these disciples. And their eyes were opened. And in that moment, They recognized Christ. They recognized who it was that had been with them the entire time. Do you know that God is always with us? God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. It's just us come to the realization that he's always been there and that we can tap into him and that we can pray to him and that we can read his word and we can be gathered in a church and we can experience the life that Christ actually invites us into. And look at the text. As their eyes were open and they recognized him, what did Jesus do? Isn't that incredible? Is that what you thought he was going to do? He always does the exact opposite of whatever we think he's going to do, by the way. Because he knew in that moment they didn't need to see him anymore. He had poured everything into them that they needed to sustain them that night and through the next day. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. The other incredible thing in this is that he's actually the guest. Think about this, in the home. And when he comes in the home and he's the one that takes and prays, and he's the one that takes the bread and breaks it, he becomes the host. He's the one that becomes the influence in their lives. Look at how these guys responded. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? And you know, that's our prayer for every single one of you that God not only impacts your life and that you know who the one, true, risen Savior really is and what it is that he has already done for you 2,000 years ago and what he can do for you today, but you realize the power of being in community. Community with God and community with other believers. See, the world's going to tell you to isolate, to be alone, to go alone, to walk the journey alone. And Jesus compels us. He calls us into community because he realizes how difficult this world is. He realizes there's so many challenges that face us and our kids as we seek to raise them. And he says, I'm going to put people in your life, strategic people in your life, that are going to pray for you, that are going to love you, that are going to invite you to church because they want you to hear of the hope that you can have in Jesus. God calls us into community. And if you were to ask us as a church body, this is our prayer, this is our desire for everyone that is here, everyone that's watching online, is that you find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church that you can go to on a regular basis, not just on Christmas and Easter, But every single Sunday throughout the year, that you get to hear God's word preached to you, that you get to encounter Christ, and not only Christ, that you get to encounter community. Look at what these guys do next. It says they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. At once. Think about this. I thought the sun was going down. Wasn't the sun supposed to go down? They're seven miles away. How fast did they have to run? Any runners in here? This is over two 5Ks. Do you realize that? In sandals. (laughs) That's impressive. And they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. They found their community. And they said, It's true. Oh, guys, it's true. The Lord is risen. He's appeared. And the two told all that that happened. They began to tell their testimony. We were walking down the road, and all of a sudden, this guy appeared out of nowhere, and blah, 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 and then this, and then that. And when you believe, he opened the scriptures, and we were like, wow, this guy really knows his Bible. He really knows what, you know what the Old Testament says. And then all of a sudden, we just thought we would be nice and invited him in, and he started praying and breaking bread. And wouldn't you know, we saw the risen Christ. Eyeball to eyeball, right across the table from us. And in this whole testimony, what are they doing? They're recommitting themselves. To Christ, they're recommitting themselves to community. They're recommitting themselves to the cause and the purpose and the plan that God had for their life. want you to think about that this is on the very first easter morning that our god would take the time to pour into others not just the original disciples not just them but other people and that luke would be able to capture that so that you and i could hear this on easter 2022 you are loved by god god has never left you god is always walking your path with you it's just a matter of if you'll recognize that he's right there And tap into what he has. He has the power to take your crisis and to take your confinement and take your uncommitment and to turn it into something beautiful and something holy and something that you can see and feel and touch and taste and know that this world isn't the end. In fact, one day we will all close our eyes in this life but that when we open them in the next that we will see Jesus face to face just as these disciples got to see Jesus face to face across from that table. But until that time comes, listen to this. This is why he puts us in church communities. This is why he places us in families. He wants us to be drawn to him. He wants us to be connected to each other. He wants us to not lose faith and hope in what it is that he can do for us and our children, and our grandchildren. Amen? Amen. Here's what's really cool on this Easter Sunday. We have a family here at Shepherd's Gate that over the course of the last several months has gone through a major personal crisis. And they were brought to their knees. And they cried out to God, And we were so compelled by their story, by their testimony. We said, is there any way that you would be willing to allow a a film crew to come into your home and to capture what it is that you have experienced and how God has impacted your life? And so they were graciously willing to share their personal story. And so we want you to hear from Larry and Courtney Duda. Let's watch this video now.
1: Um, I just want to share my journey about my son. The last six months of his life have been pretty hard. I can't. can't.
2: We prayed and we sat there and we just put it all in his hands and. In
1: 2018, I had a miscarriage and it was very hard on me and my husband at the time. And then in 2021, God blessed me with our son, Mason. Here I thought my life was gonna be great. I was gonna have an amazing pregnancy. I was gonna have what I've always dreamed about. I went in for a routine doctor's appointment at my 29 weeks and my blood pressure was high. And the doctor said, we need to send you to the hospital just to check you out. And they sent me to Troy Beaumont and they stabilized my blood pressure, but then Mason stopped moving. And they were talking about potentially taking him out. And I couldn't believe that at 29 weeks, they were gonna take our son out. But then Pastor Tim came to the hospital and he prayed over us and he read scripture with us and my body went into complete state of calm. And then I was sent over to Royal Oak Beaumont that night and he was born at 2.08 a.m.
2: So our little boy, Started his journey at two pounds, 10 ounces and spent 94 days in the uh, neonatal intensive care unit. From the beginning, he started on multiple different ventilators. We got down there at 5 a.m. and he had a respiratory failure. They had to resuscitate him and bring him back to life. One ventilator didn't work. They finally got one the first couple of weeks. It literally breathed 600 breaths per minute. And he just sat there and he shook the whole entire time. And to go in there and see him was just it was very difficult. On top of that, he was on multiple different medications. Every day we, we sat with him and we prayed, and we just asked God to wrap his hands around him and just give him the strength to continue to fight and just protect him.
1: When he came home on October 21st, we thought you know, our journey in parenthood was gonna start. We get to take care of him 24-7. We were so excited, and he was hospitalized on four different occasions. One of the times that he was hospitalized, was because he was not breathing in his crib and I had to perform CPR on him, something I thought I would never have to do. But my instincts just kicked in and I saved him and we got him to the hospital. I was so upset and I was so frustrated that God put us through the NICU and took him out at 29 weeks. and. Now he's hospitalized and he he had to have CPR performed on him. I just, I couldn't go through another day. And I was on my way back to the hospital and the song Here Again by Elevation Worship came on. It talks about how you're nothing without God and how you need to have faith and trust in him. And that struck me because I knew that he was there and that he never left. And that he was sitting on the sidelines waiting for me to cry out to him. And in that moment, I knew that anything that Mason was gonna go through, that he was gonna heal him and that he was gonna protect him. Because he saved him before he was gonna save him again, and he did. And I am so thankful for that. And my faith was strong at that point, and I just knew that he was sending me a sign and telling me that he was gonna take care of him. And if my faith wasn't strong, before, it's extremely strong now, and I will forever tell anyone that asks me how I got through it, I have no other reason but to say it was God in my faith.
2: I always had a strong faith, but watching us pray over Him and Him continue to, to get the strength to continue to fight and get better, I knew that it was in God's hands and God was taking care of it. And it helped me build my faith stronger, watching my son get stronger, so. So we'd like to introduce to you uh, Mason Michael. He is uh, here and he's thriving and he's doing so well. He's just so full of energy and definitely different from the uh, two-pound ten-ounce baby that we started as. So,
1: I know times are hard and I know things get tough, but you always have God in your life to support you. You have people around you to support you and pray with you and love you. You always have faith you always have God to lean on and to pray to and to thank as I thanked him for saving our sweet boy we are so excited to say that he is being baptized on April 24th it's something that I've wanted for him since he's been born and I think it's so special because he's our miracle and we love him so much and if you are struggling with your faith I just want you to know to hold on to the faith that you do have because God shows up in the most mysterious ways and he just shakes you like he shook me.
0: in her testimony when she said she knew that God was always there and when she cried out to him she couldn't explain it it was a mystery but that peace began to sweep over their lives and their marriage and their family how many of you know God's got something incredible for Mason what an incredible life that kid's going to live here's the thing God can perform a miracle for you today God can meet you in your moment of need whatever that crisis is that you're holding on to whatever that broken relationship broken area of your life know that God is speaking to you that he is revealing himself to you he's right by you loves you, and he's inviting you into a relationship with him. This is how loving and graceful he is. He wants to wrap his arms around you and bring you close to him and to speak into your life and to give you that peace and that assurance and that joy that only he can give. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we are just... Humbled and amazed that here we are 2,000 years later celebrating what it is that you have done for us. And that God, even as we look back and we remember and we recount your goodness and your faithfulness, that it doesn't mean that you're just sitting up in heaven and watching the world unfold, but know that you have sent your Holy Spirit into this room, and that you want your Holy Spirit to be a part of each and every one of our lives, no matter how young or how old we are. That you, God, are the one that sweeps over us and brings us back to the Father. You restored the relationship with the Father. That God in his love and his grace and his mercy can say, son, daughter of mine, you are forgiven. Son, daughter of mine, you don't have to carry that burden anymore. Son, daughter of mine, I love you. And I'm going to continue to walk your path all the days that I bless you with on this earth. So God, now we just thank you. We thank you for being with us during this worship service. We thank you for those that have gathered here, those that are online. And God, we're excited about what you have for our future. So may the God of all hope In all peace, continue to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because it's in our risen Savior's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't it cool that Larry and Courtney invited all of you back to their child's baptism next Sunday? (laughs) Like how we did that? So come back. Nine o'clock's the service. I don't know if you'll make it or not, but nine o'clock is the service they've chosen next week and can't wait to see God just do another miracle in his life. But will you stand with us this morning and will you receive this blessing from our Lord? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.